Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This is Marcus Ogden, former NFL player with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, and Tennessee Titans. You are listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. Welcome to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ken Crippen, and I'm the founder and lead instructor at the Football Learning Academy, an online school teaching pro football history. Today's special guest is Mike Hollis, kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Buffalo Bills, and New York Giants. Also, after a 19-year hiatus, he came back to play a season for the Jacksonville Sharks of the National Arena League. He currently runs ProForm Kicking Academy. For the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we take a look at some of the great players that came out of the University of Idaho, Mike's alma mater. Now let's get to our interview with Mike Hollis. I'd like to welcome Mike Hollis to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for being here. All right. So let's start with something I know everyone wants to know, and you've probably answered this a thousand times, but... Um, Take me down on the field. You're lining up for the game-winning kick to take the team to the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Immense amount of pressure on you. How do you block all that out in order to be able to make that game-winning kick? Well, you know, the the, the, the biggest trick or, or tip I could could recommend or give is, is the fact that um, – which is, is very common where most, most people would have to, or they would believe that they have to do more in that situation. Um, they, 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 they have to make the kick. Um, they have to do their, their technique proper properly. They have to, you know, maybe go a little faster, try, you know, again, everything that has to do with trying harder or doing something different is the worst thing that you could do. So that's what I'm saying is, uh, I treat, try to at least, uh, you know, I, I know that there's a subconscious mentality that is is tough to overbattle sometimes, but that subconscious mentality is telling you those things that you have to do something better, you know, uh, more perfect, you know, and it's it's telling you that, but you have to ignore that and, and treat every kick the same, regardless of what time of the game it's at. That's the biggest thing too, is like, what? why would that, that last second kick be any different mechanically than the first kick of the game? So... Once you've you've realized that all you need to do is what you've been doing a million times in your life, as far as kicking a football a certain way, you just keep doing that same thing, you know. Now, yeah, there's things that could go wrong, uh, but more than likely, if you just focus on what you've been doing a million times prior to that cert- certain situation, and don't worry about the consequence so much, um, that's when good things happen. Now I know. Uh... After high school, you went to community college, then the University of Idaho. Talk to me about that journey from high school through to the University of Idaho. Uh, you know, it was it was tough. It was it was tough in a sense that you know I had the abilities. I had other people that I was uh, other athletes in in the the leagues in in high school that I was playing against that were other kickers, of course. And the classic example is is I I competed in high school against the Hanson brothers. Now I'm referring to Jason Hanson. And also his younger brother, Travis Hansen. So we all grew up in, in Spokane, Washington. And, and Jason was two years older than myself and his brother, Travis. But when it came down to it, you know, with regards to statistically, uh, as far as in high school, I was a better kicker than Travis Hansen was. Um, so when we both graduated high school, you know, I believe because of his his brother's name, um, Jason Hansen had, had, had been a few years in in uh, Washington State University at the time and done very well and had you know made a name for himself. That I think that Travis got a little special treatment in a sense where he was able to get a full ride scholarship to University of Washington, and I got no university offers at, at all across the United States, not one offer to go to a university other than maybe to walk on, but in those situations, there was kickers on their teams that were, that were good. And, and I, there wasn't an ideal situation for me. So it was very difficult in, in a sense. And, and it, it went, it was progressive. Uh, it went from, 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 from high school to then going to junior college. 
then I ran into the same problem going from junior college to University of, of Idaho. Actually, in all honesty, um, I took a, a we'll say a gamble. I, I I committed to the University of Idaho after two years of my junior college um, days, and I had to earn a scholarship at Idaho. I, I wasn't given a scholarship to come there to play. I was I was given an opportunity to earn a scholarship if I had beat somebody else out uh, at the University of Idaho. So. Um, kind of challenging in a sense where I think that these coaches that, uh, you know, were, were evaluating me, were kind of looking at my size and, you know, determining that I was too short or something that I, that I couldn't kick at their level. And, uh, I had some, some people to prove wrong. So it kind of, it fueled my fire and, uh, actually kind of think I, it had a lot to do with making me the person that I am today. I mean, I'm just kind of wondering about that for a kicker. Why would your height matter for a position like that? And, and, and believe me, it, it happened from college to the NFL. I mean, I went into training camp with the Chargers. Um, you know, they didn't see anything wrong with my height. Uh, I, I, I was I was the camp leg for for John Carney, essentially. So I, I competed against John Carney and had a, an amazing time. Uh, John's a wonderful man, very, very uh, humble and respectful and took me under his wing, kind of taught me some things. I mean, he had four or five years of experience prior to that. So I knew that... Uh, I was just there for you know, temporarily in training camp and I learned a lot from him. And, um, but going into, you know, after getting released from there, uh, I was told by the GM of the chargers and also my agent at the time that the, the world league was, was popping back up again, the NFL Europe essentially. And that, that, that there was going to be a draft. They saw, you know, both of those, those, both, both those guys told me, you know, don't, don't enroll in any classes when you go back to school and you know, go back to Idaho. Don't, don't enroll because we're going to enter you into the world league draft and you'll definitely get drafted. Well, that time came and went and I didn't get drafted. And so, uh, of course, went back to school and, and, and enrolled some classes. But it's actually a good thing because I had opportunities to to work out for some teams that came through, you know, uh, University of Idaho to look at some other guys. I had a, a puncher friend of mine that was uh, his name was Eddie Howard. And he was getting some looks from some teams. And that's exactly what happened with the Jaguars. And so uh, the Jaguars had called him up and and said that we want to work him, you know, work you out. And, and I and I told Eddie, I said, listen, if there's if you ever get a workout at, here, you know, on campus, let me know you know, day and time, because I'm going to be on the other end of the field kicking while you're doing your workout. He said, yeah, absolutely. So that's exactly what happened with the Jaguars. I had a scout come through there and, and I was on the other end of the field kicking and, and happened to, you know, catch the eye of the, of the scout. And, uh, you know, after Eddie was done with his workout, I went over to introduce myself to the scout and uh, got my name, you know, in, in, in the Jacksonville kind of uh, market, I guess. And uh, uh, then, of course, going back to my point is the fact that, uh, you know, looking yeah, at all my film and even after, you know, uh, proving that I could do, you know, what I've done and, and even having, you know, experience in, in San Diego the year before, that Tom Coughlin still thought I was too short. And he even said it himself. He told my agent, he said, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. You know, Mike's great. You know, his form's really good. He kicks the ball really good, but we're just looking for somebody a little bit bigger. <laughs> and my agent kind of laughed it off. And and my coach, uh, who actually was not very happy with that, you know, response, uh, Jim Gatano was that guy's name. And uh, Jim and I actually coach here in Jacksonville as part of uh, Proform Kicking Academy. It's all the stuff that Jim had taught me. And so both Jim and myself are coaching here in Jacksonville and, and coaching the things that he he's kind of a guru of, of pro form and the style that I use. But uh, he was offended by that comment that the Jaguars were closing the door on me uh, because of my size. And he uh, back then there was no cell phones, of course. So we got to the, the nearest payphone after we got done working out. I told him, of course, the situation and he was mad. He went to, uh, to the nearest payphone after that and just called up Jacksonville and just kind of let him have it. He said, you guys have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what you're talking about. Mike kicks like he's 6'2". Why would it matter if he actually is or not? Um, so, yeah, to your point, uh, it really shouldn't matter. Now, I can understand, you know, maybe a punter, um, you know, you got to have to, you know, you maybe have a, a ability to catch a high snap or something or, you know, something like that. But with the regards to kicking, I, I'm not touching the football with my hands. You know, I don't I don't need height. It's just me putting my foot on the ball. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, the ball's on the ground. You really don't need height for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you signed with the Jaguars. Um, you did get to play with them starting in 1995, which was their inaugural season. What's it like playing for an expansion franchise in their first year? It was uh, very exciting. I mean, it. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm I'm new in the NFL essentially, so you know, my first year, my first experience was with the Chargers, but that was you know a team that's obviously been established many years, and um, they already had a pretty good history. And you know, I wasn't playing any regular season games with them. I only got into like three 
I was only with them for three preseason games, but, um, you know, coming into Jacksonville, you know, and, and being the guy, it's my first experience in, in real NFL football. And so it was kind of twofold, you know, I had, you know, with a brand new team and, you know, and, and silly me going back, looking back, uh, you know, what some of the things that I'd said to the media, you know, like, you know, what do you think about Jacksonville and all that? And of course the stadium hadn't been fully done yet. And the, you know, offices, the coaching you know, offices were kind of a little scattered and things were kind of still under construction. So here I am thinking, well, you know, San Diego's a good, good organization. It's really nice. You know, Jacksonville's got some, you know, things that we're working on here. And, you know, I was young, of course. And, and, uh, you know, looking back, obviously that was, that was something that, um, yeah, it just I'll, I'll, I'll never forget clearly because um it was the first year and you know i'm i kicked off the the first you know play of the game and in, in in our existence i scored the first points in franchise history so there's a lot of cool things that came with that opportunity i was i'm, I'm incredibly thankful um that i that i had that opportunity and, and, and like i mentioned before it was kind of like i was just kind of in the in the moment just just being like this is so surreal like i'm on nfl team so I didn't think about that kind of, um, you know, response to some of the media's, you know, questions about what I feel about Jacksonville, but, you know, until that now and after you've retired and, and you look back and you see that uh, some of those records that well, clearly the, the first points of franchise history, that's the only record that uh, will, I will always have. <laughs> no mm-hmm. one can beat that record. <laughs> now, other than him uh, saying that you're too short, what was it like playing for Tom Coughlin? Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was tough in a sense where you're, you know, you were, you were constantly, you know, he, he kept you accountable clearly. Um, uh, you know, they had a, a certain way of, 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 uh, treating the guys as far as, you know, rules and things like that. And, you know, back then, again, I'm going back to my, my, um, my, uh, my age and my, just my lack of maturity, we'll say, um, that, you know, back then you're thinking, man, this guy's tough. You know, I just, you know, I'm a kicker. I'm going to go through the motions and, you know, obviously I'm not going to break any rules, do anything wrong, but you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, this guy's like, he's a little like nuts, but you know, when you grow up and you, and you finally mature and you look back and you, you think to yourself, man, <laughs> this guy had a lot of cool things that uh, he taught us and, and, uh, you know, incredibly, um, uh, passionate man with football. Uh, the guy eats, lives, sleeps football. Like, uh, you know, if he could coach to the, the day he dies, he would, he would be doing that. But, you know, it's, uh, he, he brought a lot of, um, knowledge, uh, to the game for, for me and, and everybody who played for him, I think. And, and, uh, he taught life lessons, but kind of in a way that you weren't really aware of, you know, during the time you're playing, maybe some guys were, but I, I wasn't as much because I was just kind of just trying not to break rules, which I, you know, I didn't have a problem with. I, I was, I'm a pretty good kid. I don't, I don't do, I didn't do anything silly or anything like that, but um, you know, it just, it was a, it was, looking back again, it's, it was one of those things where it's uh, incredibly uh, you know grateful for, for having someone like that. You know, you can consider guys and you hear stories about Vince Lombardi and actually, you know, Tom really admired Vince Lombardi. He had a lot of quotes, the uh, Vince Lombardi quotes that uh, he had plastered all over the uh, the stadium and inside and outside. And um, you know, he would he would he was very Vince Lombardi like. And if you think of guys who played for Vince Lombardi, they kind of say the same things about him. The players that played for Tom Coughlin do. You know, it was kind of a love hate relationship, man. You love the guy, but you hate him because he's so disciplined and all that. But you know, again, now that you're done playing football, you can look back and say, man, I, I love that man. He was, he was a good dude. And, and he really, really taught me a lot. Most of your career, you're with the Jaguars it was 95 through 2001. Then you're picked up by the bills for a season. What was it like playing full time in that stadium, especially in the winter? You know, it was, it was, uh, it was always windy and it always seemed to be windy just on Sundays. It, it was a very bizarre situation in Buffalo, um, we drive them, you know, to the stadium on game day and there's, there was a huge massive flag on the corner of these, uh, the street here. And, and it was a really big American flag. It was always just howling on Sundays. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of had an attitude where I was kind of like, I, you kind of chuckle, you just kind of laugh, like, well, we'll see what happens today. I'm just going to, you know, and again, if you have a pretty confident, you know, mentality with regards to your technique and your just your mental status, you know, that was my eighth, eighth season in the NFL. So I was pretty, pretty confident, you know, I had some, some back pain that I'd always been dealing with, but, um, you know, 
tried to ignore that and, and just do my, my job, but it was tough uh, playing in cold weather, you know, games and adding the wind on top of that, you know, as a, as a kicker, you know, we like warm weather games, the ball flies a little bit better. Um, obviously you want to be loose and, and flexible. Um, it's hard to stay loose and flexible during, you know, cold, cold weather situations and games. So um, for my position, it's, it, uh, it's not fun, uh, to play in cold weather like that, but, you know, uh, the, the stadium and the games, they were very, very, you know, exciting. The, the, the Bills Mafia is for real. Um, you know, I, I was thankful to be on their side, you know, while I was playing for the Bills, um, Cause a lot of people would say, Oh, you're the guy that, that, you know, for the Jaguars that beat us out of the playoffs in one year and you retired Jim Kelly. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm on your team now, <laughs> you know? um, but you know, it was, it was a very cool experience. Um, you know, seeing some of the guys that, uh, I played against and, and now they're my teammates, you know, and even Drew Bledsoe was the year that he came in, um, Drew played at university, I'm sorry, Washington state university when I was at university of Idaho. And actually I played against him when I was in junior college, mm. our, our, uh, when he was on the uh, JV team, we'll say for the, for the, uh, for the Washington state university, um, Cougars, uh, they had JV teams and and uh, the the junior colleges Walla Walla and, and and Wenatchee, which I went to was Wenatchee, but we would we would play their JV teams and of course Drew Bledsoe just demolished us, um, but uh, it, it was cool to see him, you know, and even being from the Northwest, um, you know, so I had a lot of a lot of things in common with with Drew, and it was cool to kind of reunite with him and, and hang out with him and, and some of the other guys that were on the team at that time. Now let's go back to you had mentioned about the uh, the back issues that you had. I know you had surgery while you were with Jacksonville, and then after a season with Buffalo, you go to the Giants and you're on injured reserve because of your back injury. Was it related to the uh, surgery that you had before and the injury that you had before the surgery, or was it a different uh, back injury? Yeah, yeah, they were all related. I, I've, uh, you know, my my last uh, two levels of of uh, vertebrae and discs, essentially my L L four, L five, L five, S one. Uh, they, you know, the discs were, you know, once once those kind of get get, uh, you know, uh, shot, they, they kind of there's no there's there's you've reached a point of no return once you, you know, herniate or rupture a disc like that, and, and the fact that when you get in, you have to have surgery for it. There's no other option really that's when it's just, it's just, it's not going to get any better. You know, you can, you can kind of try to maintain it, but again, just the whole, um, you know, mechanics of kicking a football over and over and over again. And, and even the style that I teach and the style that I, that I did when I was playing is more of a forward motion. Uh, there still is some twisting and turning that happens, even though you're not trying to as much, but um, so yeah, there was, and then of course, you know, the, the, the workouts, the weight room stuff, you know, I, I, ever since my first back surgery, I had, um, you know, I stopped doing a lot of the, the heavy, you know, squats and power cleans and things like that, that uh, I was doing here in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, I still worked out, I still was in the weight room doing stuff that, uh, you know, uh, that would benefit me clearly, but, um, I, I, you know, st stood away, you know, away from those, um, those exercises that would, would hinder my back. And, and I've thrown my back out of a number of times in the weight room. And, uh, so it's just a combination of a lot of stuff, uh, throughout my, uh, career, but yes, the answer to your question is it, it just, it was another inflammation of, um, or rupture, I guess, or, or, or herniation, uh, of, of the disc at two levels. Um, and then I had, you know, I had a surgery from, from the, uh, from a, an injury, my back was, you know, it was, it was, you know, training camp, you know, with the giants, we were playing the jets in preseason and, uh, got in, involved in a, in a tackle on a kickoff against the jets, um, and got me pretty good. That was it. It, it kind of, uh, the disc bulge out in the center of my, my spinal cord. So I was getting nerve pain down both of my legs. Um, and so I went in for an MRI clearly after that. And that's when they decided that they would uh, throw me an injury reserve. And, and I had my third and then fourth, um, back surgery. I got a, actually a staph infection from that third surgery. So wow. that wasn't much fun, but, uh, so that's, that's where I stood and, you know, and then when it came time to decide, you know, at the, and I did all my rehab and I was doing pretty good kicking back, you know, 50 yard field goals, you know, 55, somewhere in there, um, doing all my rehab. And then, uh, Tom Coughlin was hired, uh, of course, cause that was Jim Fossil's last year, 2003. Um, and then they hired Tom Coughlin and of course, you know, nothing against Tom and, and myself, but I just, I kind of knew that, you know, he, he, he let me go from Jacksonville for a reason. And, uh, here I am again. Now he's my boss again. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I knew that he probably wouldn't want me around. He's already experienced me before. So, 
Um, that wasn't, it wasn't a surprise, um, that I got released from the giants, but at that point I had a decision to make because I was, um, you know, just coming off of backs, you know, a couple of back surgeries and having to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and I just, I just came to realize that it was just mentally and physically, it was, it was very, very tough. I mean, just being a kicker in the NFL, you know, yes, mentally, it's, it's very challenging to be a kicker in the NFL, but also um, when you add the physical things, people, Oh, you're just a kicker. How physical can it be? Well, you know, ask any kicker in the NFL right now, how, how much they work out. And I promise you it's changed quite a bit. Even before my time, these guys weren't doing much of workout. Some of them did, but um, it's a big deal. I mean, it's uh, we're, we're athletic we're, we want to be, you know, with the team doing all the workouts with the team and, and being the best we can as kickers too. So, uh, physically I was doing a lot of work and then, you know, mentally when it came time to dealing with the pain and trying to kick at my optimal level, that's the last thing I wanted was to, to kick poorly because of my back and my mindset and then let my team down. So that's one of the reasons why, and really the ultimate reason why I, I retired, um, uh, for that reason and, you know, healthy just to, you know, to maintain a, a, a decent lifestyle after, after football, is something I definitely, uh, enjoy. And, and, you know, I'm still here in Jacksonville beach and, uh, um, I'm very active. I actually, uh, played a game for the, for the sharks here last uh, couple of years ago when I was 50. So, um, I don't know if that was a mistake or what that was, but it was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, just trying to stay active and young couple of things on uh, based off of what you just said. One is you're saying you're cutting back on weights. Did you notice any um, difference as far as the length of your kicks by cutting back on it? Or is it a technique that basically overcame any of that? Uh, great question. Uh, no, I didn't notice any difference. And in, in, in all honesty, I think, uh, and even as I'm coaching, I've had my kicking academy for 18 years now. And um when I coach kids, they ask me like, Oh, and the, you know, what kind of weight, weight lifting programs do you have? What do you, what do you do? What help, what's your weight lifting program? Uh, I'm like, you know, I don't do the weights. Um, I, I would rather, you know, if you think of what, what the mechanics of a kicking really stem from, um, from a kicker standpoint. And, and, and when you think of the explosive sort of athletic nature of, of an actual kick itself, the weight room is something that doesn't really fit real well. It, it's a very, anaerobic explosive motion and i don't say explosive in an aggression in an aggressive way i say explosive in a, in a matter of, of of a really quick burst of energy um and when you think of of lifting it's more of you know muscling the weights up and down and all that well you, you've got a kicker that wants to muscle the weights in the weight room what do you think he's going to want to do to the football? He's going to want to muscle the football. And when you muscle the football, you throw your technique way out the, out the window and there's no technique involved at that point. So um, I'm a big fan of, of training how you're, 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 you're doing your job. Your job is to kick a football. What is it? What are the, the key ingredients of, of kicking? What do you see when a kicker kicks a football? You see him run from a dead stop kind of quick, but smooth. And, and time, you know, time it with his leg and his body and everything, you know, form of mechanics is there. And, but, you know, you're not going to get that in the weight room. Okay. So, you know, when I, when I think of, of training for kicking, I think of anaerobic quick, you know, fiber, fast twitch muscle fiber type of work workouts uh, where you're training your body in the same kind of um, aspect that you would be when you're kicking a football. Yes, and it's pretty similar to a golf swing, where if you try to muscle it, you're going to hook it or you're going to slice it. Is it the same with uh, kicking a football? Absolutely. I mean, with you, you, I mean, yeah, Tiger Woods put on some weight uh, a while back, and you know, he got muscly, you know, of course. But um, there's different ways of 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 putting muscle on. Uh, I don't know what he was doing specifically with his training, but um, when I think of of people that are muscly and big and strong. I don't think I don't put them in the same category as somebody who's coordinated. <laughs> I mean, if you just imagine like a, a big, you know, big bodybuilder guy out there doing athletic stuff, they're not very coordinated. And it, it kind of makes sense because they're just big, bulky and 
Um, it's all about strength for those guys, which is perfectly fine, but it's just not, it's not the same wheelhouse. You know, it's, you want to, you want to train yourself according to what it is, the, the skill that is you're doing. So um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, I've never seen a, uh, even a golfer that was, was massively big, you know, and strong. I, you know, you don't see those guys. You see, and a lot of times you see the opposite. You see these guys that are, and I've watched tournaments here in, in Sawgrass, the TPC Sawgrass is here every year. And I've gone out and watched, you know, walked next to, um, to golfers and, and seeing the size of these guys. And sometimes they're, they're really small dudes, you know, and they're hitting the crap out of the ball and, you know, they've got very good technique. So, you know, it's not, it's not muscle. It's just, it's a good fluid form and technique and they're using everything they possibly can into that, into that ball. You still have any back issues now or are you, you in good shape? No, I mean, it's uh it's kind of a maintenance thing now at this point, just, just, you know, trying to maintain a, a healthy lifestyle and uh, take, uh, you know, nutritional supplements. I'm actually part of a company called uh, three, it's called three international. And they, we have a, a very innovative um, a proactive wellness uh, solution in a sense where we have six supplements that are, uh, we have uh, added delivery technologies that add the, you know, increase the absorption rate, the bioavailability of the actual phytonutrients that are actually in the products themselves. So, um, you know, on our, 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 in our world today, we are, we are missing out on a lot of nutrition because uh, a lot of the, the, the sources of our food come uh, from depleted soil and our, our produce is just not what it was years ago. And so we definitely need supplementation, but um you know, with our products, we definitely, and I'm feeling a difference. I've been with the company for eight months now and um, really enjoying the products. Um, loving it. So it's, it's a direct sales company. So I'm obviously referring this to other people too, but it's changing lives. We've seen a lot of testimonies with our, with our products with people. Um, and so that's another, you know, I've always been involved in, in, in had a passion for health and wellness and, and youthfulness. <laughs> I want to stay as young as possible. And, and uh, I think I've, I've found what I've been looking for for a long time in this product, these products. Yeah. Well, you keep yourself in good shape. You'll be uh, kicking again at when you're 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, you know, I kicked when I was 50. That was a couple of years last year um, with the Sharks, that one game I was telling you about. And, um, you know, it was kind of like their kicker on the team was still on the roster. He kind of hurt. And I was trying to kind of fill it in. I'm really not really sure what my role was, but. I thought I'd give it a shot. And, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing my kicking Academy, I'm always, you know, demonstrating for my kids. So the technique has always been there. It's kind of like riding a bike. You never forget it, but, um, I did forget something. And I realized about halfway through that specific game is that, you know, the games are long. There's a lot of kicking, a lot of movement, a lot of me standing on my feet, you know, just, you know, especially in arena, because you're not really sitting down a whole lot. You're, you're kind of, you know, trying to stay loose as an old man too. So, um, I was very exhausted after that game. Um, and my back and my whole body really, to be honest with you, was just, it was shot for like three or four days after that game. And I was just, I was like, man, there's, there's no way I can, I can do this anymore. Um, but, uh, I did get the one game in and it was a lot of fun. I don't regret any bit of it. We're going to take a quick break, then get back to our interview with Mike Hollis. If you like what you're hearing on the official football learning Academy podcast, make sure you check out our website at www.football-learning-academy. Com. There you'll find additional interviews as well as videos on the history of this great sport. And an important note, a portion of all proceeds generated at the Football Learning Academy go to help retired players in need. Now let's get back to our interview with Mike Hollis. How is it being back in that competitive environment after 19 years of being out of the NFL? It was, you know, it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, I was nervous. I treated uh, game day like I was, you know, I, and it was kind of it, a little, probably a little bit more nervous because it'd been so long since I've been in an actual game. And and I literally, that game day, I was, I literally remember thinking to myself multiple times, what am I doing? <laughs> am I really playing another game? Like, wow, this is crazy. But once the game started, it actually became a lot more fun than I remember, you know, because, yeah, yeah, we're the highest level of football in the world when you're playing in the NFL, clearly. And so there's a lot of pressure just in that alone. But, you know, in arena, it's like, you know, I, there's added pressure for, for me as a kicker because I'm just so, you know, competitive and don't want to let the team down. So I want to do the best I can. Plus, there's that you know, thing that, you know, I'm, I'm a former NFL player. I'm, I'm really good. I shouldn't miss a kick at all. And so there's that stigma or that, 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 I guess that assumption that, 
I'm, I play at the highest level in, in, in the world of football. So I, I've got to be good. And if I miss a kick, then, you know, then I'm, then they're looking at me like, man, this guy sucks. He's not very good. You know? So, um, you know, that, that the mentality kind of, you know, is there, but uh, I had a lot of fun. It was honestly a lot of, a lot of fun. I kicked, I counted. I didn't, I didn't even keep count during the game, but afterwards when I watched all the kicks, I, I kicked 22 times in that one game. So um, we scored 70 something points. So it was, uh, it was uh, very challenging in a sense where there was a lot of kicking and uh, yeah, I was exhausted, but a lot of fun. Now they have the, uh, the narrower uh, field goal post, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and people say, well, oh, man, that must be tough. You know? Yeah. Yes. Obviously it's, it's going to be a little harder because it is, you know, less room for error. Essentially there there's, there's uh, your, your target, your, 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 um, your target is smaller and therefore, you know, it's, you're going to, you're going to miss more than, than you did maybe. Um, but you're indoors. Uh, there's no wind. You're playing on turf. There's no divots. Um, but you know, the snaps and the holds aren't, you know, the greatest in a sense where, you know, not like the NFL, you know, you don't have to get off at a certain time, which is fine. But, um, you know, just one of the things that I coach, um, is, is kind of a backwards mentality in a sense where, most kickers are, are, you know, focusing on, you know, imagining the ball going through the uprights and thinking about the result of the kick before it actually happens. And, and that's backwards in my mind, because I like to just let the technique do the work and then see what the technique did. When I look up and see the ball travel, I want to see what my technique did to the ball where most guys don't think that way. They, they, they think that the, the making the kick is the most important thing. And when you do it that way and you think that way, your body is just naturally trained to do whatever it needs to do to, to, to kick the ball carefully, to steer it. Um, and, and, and that's really the, the, the thing that would separate someone like me, maybe if I was younger and didn't have any back issues and um, had the mentality that I do now and, and had the technique that I do now, I think I'd be really good in arena because the fact that I don't kick it carefully to make the kick, I kick it the way I've been taught regardless of the outcome. And so going back to that point earlier about your first question is why would I do anything different just because the target is more you know narrow? I'm, I'm still aiming right down the middle like I would in an NFL football game. It's just the middle is, is a smaller middle in arena than it is in, in the NFL. So there's more room for error in the NFL than there is for you know arena. But that doesn't change my perception of what I should do. And, and, and I've seen it firsthand um, being a, a kicking coach and having kick, multiple kickers play in the arena league. I, I've seen it. I've seen how good their technique can be when they're on their own, when they're kicking outside, you know, and, and maybe they are kicking at a smaller target, maybe at a light pole or something. But even then I don't like that because you, you, you tend to turn back to that, that natural, you know, steering type of mentality. But my point really is the fact that when you get a guy that has good technique and if they don't understand that mindset of, of, of how important just the technique alone is, you don't have to worry about where the ball goes, just do the technique and the ball will take care of it. You know, the, the technique will take care of the ball. Um, but what happens really is if they don't have that mentality, they, they revert back to just kicking really carefully and they don't kick the same as they always have when they're, when I've worked with them and taught them this good technique, they get on the field and they don't do the technique because of, of, of their so, you know, being so concerned about the consequences of, of missing the kick that they now change their mentality into kicking it really carefully, just hoping not to miss. And you can't, you can't kick an arena league like that. You have to have confidence in what you're doing and trust your form and technique. Mm -hmm. Now let's get to your Academy. Uh, did you start that right after you retired from the NFL? Uh, no, I did not. I, I always kind of had it in the back of my mind, like it's something I could do, um, you know, and I thought that um, you know, maybe eventually I would do it, and which clearly I did. It was about four years after I retired. It was I officially ran it, started maybe 2006, I think somewhere in there. Um, and I retired in 2004 officially. Um, I dabbled with a couple of the things I actually bought into a franchise and opened up a couple of uh, retail uh, outlets. Um, you know, it was an eBay store, it was an eBay drop-off store, um, basically, and it uh, didn't do too well. The, the The concept was a little flawed, and and um, they're they don't even they're not even in existence anymore as a franchise. So, um, I you know kind of learned from that experience, and um, and and you know decided that uh, I would I would take it. You know, where, where my passion is. My passion is is coaching, and and um, well, my technique really is the passion, but coaching comes with it because it's a uh, 
it's a technique that is not normal out there. And I think that's really why, you know, I always tell my kids, you know, when you look at me, most of the kids that I work with, you know, are you know maybe younger, you know, uh, middle school, all the way up to high school to, to college and some pros, of course, but, um, you know, a lot of them are, are actually a little bit bigger than me. And so I always use that reference. I say, listen, you know, you're, you're a bigger guy. Look, I'm, I'm a small guy, but I played in the NFL for nine years. And I, you know, I share all my accolades not to impress them, but to impress upon them that they can do probably better than even I could do. But here's the thing. The thing was, why, why was I able to play in the NFL when I'm only five foot eight on a good day, you know, officially five, seven, um, 180 pounds and, and not, you know, freakishly athletic or strong, you know, why is it that I was able to do the things I did? Well, clearly if you've eliminated all three of those or four of those things I just mentioned, the only thing you have left is like you said, the technique. And it has a lot to do with like with golf and everything that when you get a technique down that works, you leverage what you have, uh, to, to use. And, um, I leveraged my body, you know, I, I use my whole body to kick the ball when, you know, the Sebastian Janikowski's of the world are guys that are really, really big, strong and freakishly athletic. They can get away with kind of more or less what I would refer to as muscling and steering the ball through the uprights. And they, you know, some guys are because they're so good and athletic, they're able to get good at a technique and and, and make it smooth. And they're able to play a lot longer. Um, a guy like Matt Bryant, you know, if he was on this interview right now or talking with us now, he'd be the first to admit you know, I spent time with him with the Giants in training camp and um, and during the season, of course, but he would be the first to admit that his form is not good. He says, "I yeah, my form is not great um, because he sees himself kick and he watches other people kick. And especially when I was there, my form was pretty smooth and fluid and I had decent, you know, follow through and finish. And and he didn't. He actually punched the ball and, where I bat and you know, kind of ran backwards. But he was good. He was really good. <laughs> he played a lot longer than I did and did probably a lot better than I did. Um, he was very strong. He had thighs that I've never seen size of thighs like that before. His thighs were massive, but he was pretty athletic and he was, he got away with, uh, you know, a technique that worked for him. And, you know, it's, uh, those, those are kind of, uh, guys that you don't see a lot of. And that's why I'm, you know, we coach and, and talk about this, uh, the ability of kickers. Like, why isn't there like a thousand kickers waiting in line to play for the, one of the 32 teams every, every year a team is, is releasing a kicker and picking up somebody else more than more than one team typically does. And why isn't that guy just as good or better than the first guy they had, or, or, you know, they're always, you know, moving kickers around teams. Why isn't there a ton of kickers out there? You think of golfers, how many golfers do you have? We have 200 in the, in the top of, of the world that are ranked. Do you rank 200? No, you don't rank 200 kickers. You rank 32 of them. And so, you know, there's a lot of golfers out there that are very good. Golf has been around a long time. They've kind of solidified the good technique. And with kicking, we're not there yet. Um, I, I would like to say that I'm, I'm playing a role in, in, in giving a good basic foundation of good technique in the stuff that I'm teaching. Um, but there's still a lot of, um, I would refer to a little bit of stubbornness out there with regards to athletic kickers who can kick a ball a certain way and, and, and kick it pretty good and pretty far. They were like, why would I do it the way you're doing? I already kick it 60 yards. I already kick it really good. I'm already, you know, 90% kicker. Well, that's great, but that's all athletic ability. And how long is that going to last for you? Um, so, um, you know, once the athletic ability starts to go away, that's when you that's when you panic. You don't know what else to, to fall back on. But if you have good technique and a good uh, basic foundation of the technique, you can always rely on that and to get you back uh, kicking well again. Let's talk about that a little bit. I know that throughout the interview, you've talked a little bit about technique. You talked about philosophies and, you know, making sure you've got the proper mental preparation. But what makes the pro form kicking technique so unique? Um, it, 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 uh, it, it kind of goes against what you would think common sense would be with, with any sort of kicker. I mean, here's a classic example. When, when, a, when a right-footed soccer-style kicker lines up, he lines up, we'll say, three, three steps backwards and two steps to the left. When he goes two steps to the left, he's now left of the football. And as he stands there waiting to kick the ball, to kick the field goal, he's looking up at his target that happens to be a little left of, of him. So what do you think the brain naturally wants to do? Well, you, you, you tell yourself common sense says I better do something left because that's where the target is. And that's where I'm angled at. 
I don't think that way. I think totally different. Um, uh, and again, when you when you refer to, to to forward momentum is really where I'm going with that. And that is the biggest difference, really. Um, and using the body to kick the football. If you if you if you think about that and we always give examples of of, uh, you know, of a, of a car, if you're, if you're driving down the, the road, hundred miles an hour and you have a 90 degree left turn ahead of you, do you have to slow down to make that turn? Well, yes, you, you, you do. I don't know what kind of car you would have to be in if you could, if you didn't have to slow down, but that's a pretty tough turn. If you didn't slow down, you probably wipe out and roll the car. Clearly you have to slow down before you turn. Well, when you're thinking of it in the kicking standpoint is kickers running up to kick a football, um, and they, if they if they run up to the ball and stop to 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 turn, or they turn to kick the ball, the just the just the fact that they're turning to kick the ball left of them is slowing them down. Okay, so why would anybody want to slow down their body forward body weight momentum when they could use it into the football? Why would you want to slow down to kick a football? And that's what I'm saying. It's 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 like guys would run up to the ball stop and then swing with the leg and that's what a lot of kickers do and that again goes to that common sense aspect of that's what most kickers think kicking is and so that's what's unique about my style is it teaches you to use 100 of your body uh to kick the ball not just a just a, a small smaller percentage of it okay when you think about that if you're running up and you stop what do you have left to kick the ball well, your left, your your leg, your kicking leg is the only thing really left to 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 kick. And I I relate it to golf as well, uh, not in a good way. Most people think that kicking is just like golf, and I say no, 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 it's not. There are some swing aspects are kind of similar, but not necessarily the whole premise of of a golf swing. And here's a classic example. I can bring up one movie, and you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Happy Gilmore. If you think about Happy Gilmore, it was uh, Adam Sandler, and he was a hockey player that turned a professional golfer. Clearly, it was a fictional you know, movie. It was just a comedy movie. But, uh, well, I say clearly it's fictional, but who knows? Maybe in the next uh, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, uh, professional golfers will be running up to hit a ball on a drive. And that's what really separates the difference. That's what really makes, you know, Happy Gilmore different in a sense where he could drive the ball really far. Well, why could he? Well, because he ran up to the ball when he hit it. Well, he's adding forward momentum to a golf swing. Okay. Well, golfers typically aren't like that. Obviously Uh, they are stationary. Golfers are just like the kicker who wants to run up to the ball only to stop and turn and kick the ball. Well, they need a big backswing. They need to open up their hips. They need all this lateral rotation. Golfers do too. Um, but kickers shouldn't because we actually have the ability to run up to the ball first. Um, so why wouldn't you want to use that? Why would you have to, why would you want to run up only to stop? It'd be like happy Gilmore running up on a drive only to stop and then swing, (laughs) you know, it wouldn't make any sense at all. It would make him, it wouldn't make him, you know, extraordinary, you know? Uh, so that's really the biggest difference. And talk to me a little bit about how the instruction works at your academy. Is it in-person, virtual, both? Are the classes private in a group setting? How does all that work? Um, all of the above, really. Um, we don't do a lot of camps anymore. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of kickers. And again, I go back to that stubbornness uh, attitude, maybe the entitlement attitude, maybe. Um, I, I'm, I don't want to offend anybody out there, clearly, but there's a lot of that going on right now. And, and, and it's unfortunate because some of these kicking camps and organizations that that were you know coaching which again some of the stuff that i i see that these that these coaches are coaching i would just i just i just i just close my eyes and just shake my head like wow they still haven't evolved they still haven't figured it out yet um but my point in all that is saying that uh, these these kicking coaches that run these big camps and organizations have turned into more of a of a showcase type of organization rather than kicking instructional organization so a lot of these kickers who go to these camps they just want to get charted and ranked they want to get the five stars four stars whatever that company offers and then help them for recruiting purposes but i've always been a huge fan and and common sense would tell me that i've got to kick good before i get charted because if you don't kick good in you in your charting you're actually hurting yourself. Uh, I know the NFL scouts and coaches are in, in, in the recruiting part of that. They are in the business of scratching names off lists. You know, they want to they want to uh, eliminate a lot of opportunities or options with regards to other uh, you know, kickers out there that, that are trying to show their abilities. 
they are they want to to limit them down to a, a certain number of, of kickers that they want to look at. So think about that for a second. If 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 those if these guys are in the business of scratching names off the list and you go into a camp hoping to get charted and, and do well or, or going to the camp just to get charted and hoping to do well and you don't do well, you've just crashed your name off the list. You, they don't want to look at you anymore because they've already seen what you've done. Now, if you come into a camp and get a two star out of five or whatever, clearly you've got to go to more camps. What if you do poor the next camp? Well, you're still a two star. Maybe you went up to a three star, but you're still not a five. So again, you got to kick good in order to get charted and get recruited. And I'm telling you, obviously I'm a big fan clearly. And, if, uh, and it's in the same sense of what I've been talking about is if you kick good, they will find you. It's become a huge business. You know, think about these colleges are recruiting junior high school kids and middle school kids. They're, they're, they're recruiting at that young of an age now. Well, it's a big business for colleges to get good athletes. Well, Think about that for a minute, okay? That, that they, they're they recruiting, they're looking, they're turning over every stone. They're looking at every single school they possibly can because it's becoming such a competitive uh, industry now. Um, so I'm telling you, if you are a kicker that is good and you, um, you know, if you're good, they, they will find you. You don't need a lot of recruiting help. And there's tons of recruiting organizations out there that you know charge you tons of money to get your name out there i'm telling the ones the only time i would tell a kicker to use an organization like that is if if you know well not even if they're not good i don't even use those if you're not very good you got to get good first because those aren't you're going to waste your money because they're going to want to watch film and if they see film of you not kicking very well they're not going to be interested in you so my point in that is saying to, to these kids like listen you you have to understand that that you know there are coaches out there that in high school will say that don't really kick a lot of field goals. Maybe the kicker is really good, but the coach just has a philosophy that they just want to run out and fourth down more 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 times than not. Okay, well then the kicker's not getting very many opportunities. And that's the only reason. That's the only time I would tell a kicker to to use those recruiting tools is because they're not getting much game film because of the coach that's not allowing them to kick, even though they are very worthy and good enough to to play at, at higher levels of, of college football. They're just not getting the film work or the film of them kicking uh, enough that uh, these recruiters will notice them. Uh, so that's the only time I would tell guys like that. But I'm telling you, um, kicking good, if you just kick good, you'll, you'll be found. What do you think about the new kickoff rule where – if you fair catch it inside the 25 yard line, you get the ball on the 25. Well, it's, it's, it's obviously a safety thing. I think that they're just trying to, um, you know, give more opportunities to, to the return as far as, you know, keeping guys safe. I, it's all come down to the whole concussion and, and, and traumatic brain injury type of, of mentality where um, if you've paid attention to the XFL, I, I was fortunate enough to help out with uh, your call football. It's an organization called your call. Um, but they had a your call football part. I don't think they're doing the football part anymore, but they were, they had a technology that actually let the fans pick the plays. It was kind of a cool concept, but the the reason I bring that up is they, they were, they were conducting their, their two teams here in Jacksonville years ago. And they hired me as a, as a kicking consultant for both teams. Um, but the XFL was, it was right before COVID happened. So, um, had COVID not happened, they would have started XFL, you know, a couple of years prior to that, but, or prior to now, but, um, what they were doing was the XFL was, was in there. The whole organization was there, you know, kind of scouting, looking at some of the players, but also just implementing some things that they could, they could test in their league. And one of them happened to be the kickoff rule that the XFL is doing now. I don't know if you noticed and if you watched any XFL football games, but they kick off, I believe from the 30, but the only one back there on the 30 is the kicker. All the other, the other team, you know, both teams are, are down just like they're, they're waiting for the ball to, to land, you know? And again, the kicker kicks off. Um, and I can't remember what yard line it is on the, 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 the kickoff coverage team starts on the opponent's like 35 yard line. And the return team starts on the, on the 25 yard line or somewhere in there, there's like a 10 yard gap and nobody can move until the actual ball is caught from the kicker kicking it. Right. So it gives a, a direct, you know, return from a, from a specific spot 
that starts as soon as the ball's caught and the fact that you're not coming into each other like it, the old traditional or actually now still the kickoffs sometimes have. Now they got rid of the wedge years ago because of that exact reason where it was four people, you know, a couple people coming screaming in trying to just destroy four people head on head, you know, head on collision type of, 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 of thing. And that's really where a lot of the concussions were happening because you got, you know, two people running in, in the, in opposite directions, well, opposing directions coming in at each other. And then that rule that the XFL was trying, they, they didn't have that so much. So um, I think to, to back to your question is it all has to do with safety and just keeping the guys safe uh, and just having other options um, um, that would, would give, uh, like the kickoff team, a, a little bit of, 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 of strategy. So for example, at XFL, if you kick it in the end zone and they down it, it's a touchback, but as a penalty for a touchback, the ball comes out to, I believe like the 35 or something in the XFL. Again, I could be wrong on that, on the stats there, but I think that, uh, so it's the strategy is to put the ball hot. Well, not really, it doesn't really matter if you have height in the XFL because hang time doesn't matter at that point because your team's already down there. Um, so when the guy catches the ball, if he catches it at, you know, in between whatever yard lines, that's where the play starts from. But, um, you know, obviously you have to kick it far enough. You can't kick an onside kick in the XFL uh, like that. And and I actually don't even know the rules with that uh, with regards to an onside kick opportunity in the XFL. Um, but going to the point, it's, it's definitely a, a safety thing for, for, you know, trying to keep the guys safe, which I understand. Let's finish up with a little fun question here. Who do you think is going to be the next kicker inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, if any? Oh boy, uh, there's a there's a couple that I come that would come to my mind. Um, you know, a guy like Gary Anderson. You got Morton Anderson there, but Gary Anderson played for a bunch of years, and he was phenomenal. I think that he he could be the next one. Um, and even a guy like John Carney, uh, who played for 22 years, I think, in the NFL. That's just an incredible feat. I mean, I, I, I got nine years in and I thought that was a long time because <laughs> you're playing 22 years. I'm like, geez, that is just mentally and physically, that is very, very, very demanding. It's, it's, it's a lot of the viewers and, and just people, regular folks that, that are fans of football don't have a clue. Um, no disrespect. They don't know how much, you know, it, it takes, what, what kind of toll it takes on a, on a, on a man, uh, to play 22 years, both mental, mentally and physically in the NFL. So it's tough, but I would, I would vote definitely if either one of those guys were nominated, clearly, I uh, mean, yeah, well, I would vote for it for them, but um, uh, I think one of those two guys, and again, uh, you know, Adam and Terry's right up there too. I got to go with the goat. Uh, oh, Justin Tucker. Justin eventually Tucker. Maybe, yeah. Justin Tucker eventually maybe would be in there, but I'm looking at older guys that have played long, long time because i think that's uh, adds a lot of credibility in my opinion just based on what i just told you um I, I i give a lot of respect for guys that can play you know more than 15 16 years um in the nfl it's, it's a very very tough thing to do and, and the guys that play long um i think and, and adam's up there too so he, he may be a first first ballot uh, hall of famer i don't know but you know um you look at guys like gary anderson that's up there but you know uh, these are guys that i that i looked up to morton anderson is a is just a stud I, I remember seeing him on sports illustrated the cover sports illustrated he was he was kind of part of the reason why i i started kicking you know a soccer player of course and i had a stepbrother that taught me into kicking for the high school team i thought that i had to do other positions and he said no you can just be a kicker so i was like i was pleasantly surprised when that was because i was a small guy clearly so i didn't want to get killed so i just was a kicker but uh morton anderson is, is somebody that i i remember seeing one of the first uh you know pictures and in, in the sports illustrated magazine i'm like oh this guy's a stud look at this guy you know and then of course just watching him on tv and stuff but um a lot of a lot of cool memories of that and then meeting him was was really cool and just playing against him and you know i've got a cell number i can literally text him right now and, and uh, have a chat with him so i think that's pretty cool and I guess uh, Nick Lowry too. His name, Nick I, Lowry. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Nick. Nick is uh, Nick's in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. I think he still holds the uh, the all time scoring leader uh, uh, record uh, for the Chiefs. Nick is a friend of mine too. As a matter of fact, that company I was just talking about, uh, Three International. I just actually sent him some products for him to try. I think mm -hmm. he's really going to enjoy the uh, the anti inflammatory one that I. I sent him and then the, the multivitamin um, one that we have as well. But um, so, yeah, Nick, Nick is a good friend. I've, I've done some other business things with Nick as well. Um, I, I, he just didn't play as long as some of the other guys, but again, it's, it, it's a toss up. I mean, there's so many guys that are worthy of, of the, of the NFL hall of fame that, um, you know, it's, it's tough to choose from, but you know, 
you look at guys like you said, Adam Vinatieri, Justin Tucker, that have been, you know, very instrumental in, in victories and in, in big kicks, you know, obviously with, with Tucker, my gosh, that guy's a stud. Um, and then the big, as far as, you know, long kicks, I'm talking about with Tucker, but even with Adam Vinatieri, the big kicks, Super Bowl, you know, winning kicks, you know, a couple times at least, you know, so he's, he's done very, very well. And that guy, you know, Adam, I could text him too. He's a good friend of mine as well. And, and uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, on game day, whether I was playing against him or whether I saw him on the sideline prior to a game, you know, cause I'm a, Jag, a Jaguar ambassador. So I go to some of the home games and get on the sidelines. And usually when the, when back when he was playing with the Colts, I would always take my son cause he was a Colts fan for some reason, but we'd always, you know, grab uh, Adam in the sideline prior to the game, prior to kick off and just kind of uh, talk with him, just chat with him a little bit. And just a normal guy, like, uh, like, 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 you know, like you've seen him on TV, like you see him in real life. That's, that's him in person. And I was kind of more like a wreck on game day. I was like really focused. I didn't want to talk too much. He was like, he had ice in his veins, man. He didn't care at all. He's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I feel pretty good, you know, just try to keep my weight down, you know, and portion control, you know. You talked about Pat McAfee at one point. He's like, yeah, I feel like I got to babysit this kid, you know, it was when Pat McAfee first came in the NFL. But, but look at Pat now, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, Adam's a good dude. A um, lot of, lot of credible guys uh, at that, at that, uh, at that level. Yeah. And then when it comes down to kickers, like you had mentioned before, it comes down to, the philosophies of the coaches too, as to how many opportunities you're going to have, how many opportunities for longer field goals, how many, you know, for game winning field goals and just how many kicks you're going to have in a game in general. So there's a lot that goes into, you know, whatever kind of career the kicker can put together. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, incredibly detailed when you get down to the technique and stuff and, and it's, it's, it's an art. Um, you think of like martial arts and the discipline that, that the people that, you know, any, any sort of skill or, or profession that requires, um, a, a, a routine of, of similar mo- motion or movements or incredible intense, um, uh, dedication and, and commitment, um, that that's when it's, it's very challenging, but, you know, people who do those things, you know, NFL kickers or guys that are, you know, have done amazing things in their lives, whatever they've done, it takes so much discipline, but it also takes passion. Um, I'm telling you just on base, you know, I'm basing myself on, on, on firsthand experiences that, you know, if you don't have a passion for something it is incredibly difficult to put the time and effort and, and commitment into, into what it is you're doing. It's very difficult. So I've always told kids, you know, find what you're passionate about and work really hard on that. Um, because, you know, if you don't have passion, that's why they do say that 85% of everyone who has a job, 85% of the people that work do not like what they do. Mm. 85%. Okay. 85% of people that have a job do not like what they do. So again, you, you know, it's, it's tough. It, it, some, sometimes it's kind of challenging even just to find the passion, but I'm telling you, once you find that passion and you, and you commit to it, you actually, you know, for me, kicking, it, it became a challenge and it was obviously a passion, but um, the challenge was to, to see how far I could get, you know, initially um, to see how good I can get. Um, the challenge was to be as good as I could, possibly could be and it became fun and that's where the passion comes in that's where that's where you know you're definitely passionate about something that's fun uh so definitely uh an exciting time um uh, with with that and uh you know obviously if i could do something physically for the rest of my life uh, that i'm passionate about that i i would love to do but obviously um you know, time has a has a, a sense of, uh, of of humor when it comes to <laughs> giving us the ability to do things physically or not. Um, so over time, you lose that ability to do some physical things. So, um, but definitely passionate about health and wellness and fitness and just staying young, trying to trying to make that clock go backwards is what I'm all all I'm doing. Well, uh, maybe you can break the record. Pudge Heffelfinger played pro football at the age of sixty six. It was only nine minutes in a game, but. <laughs> Oh, wow. Interesting. Something for you to strive for. (laughs) Very nice. All right. Final question. How can people learn more about what you're doing with the Proform uh, Kicking Academy? 
Um, it's uh, that's the website proformkicking.com. Um, I'm on all the social medias, uh, you know, uh, Instagram, Proform Kicking, Twitter, Proform Kicking, uh, even LinkedIn is Proform Kicking. I'm not on uh, on TikTok. I was for a while, but I'm not on there anymore. Um, but with regards to uh, you know that, um, you can. I, I tell most people, I say just Google my name. And you'll find my Kicking Academy uh, website. So that's that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. But uh, you know, like you said, you asked a question about what I offer. I offer everything you know, as far as uh, virtual, uh, uh, in-person coaching. That's why really I was going with the whole camp thing is the fact that I don't do many camps anymore because kids are going more to the showcase camp. So I do a lot of private one-on-one stuff because of the fact that and another thing too is my my stuff is pretty detailed. So I would rather have it that way too, just because it it, it requires some attention. And in camps with multiple kids, it's hard to, to get their attention and, and uh, keep Plus, they're competing against each other, too, when they're kicking. And I'm the total opposite. I don't want you to compete at all. I want you to kick the football and see where it goes, um, where most guys are too concerned about where it goes in front of you know all the other kids. And so camps sometimes take the uh, – camps are distracting, in other words. Um, so, yeah, so virtual stuff I do uh, in the world. I've got kids in uh, – I've worked with kids in Croatia. I've worked with kids in South Africa. I've worked with kids in Canada, Mexico. Um, so we, we, I've definitely done a lot of, and of course, throughout the United States, kids who can't come to to Jacksonville to work out with me, but um, definitely an option. Um, and and again, I, the reason that that I do um, the virtual coaching in a sense is because I'm I'm able to visually show kids what they're doing right and wrong just just by watching video, and I have them you know, stand in a certain position, uh, for the, for the actual angles of the, of the film that I like to like to show them and, and compare again. So I've got a lot of material that I can, uh, show them during the live, you know, zoom presentations where I'm doing, you know, the virtual coaching, uh, of these kids. And so, um, you know, I offer, you know, annual, annual and, and semi-annual services as far as the, the coaching, the virtual coaching, uh, as well. So, uh, it's a great opportunity for kids to learn, uh, especially if they can't come to Jacksonville, but one of the biggest things, again, going back to my point is that my stuff is different. And so I, 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 I take advantage of a, of an opportunity that I can teach you different things over a computer. I don't need to be there right in front of you to teach you these certain things. Um, you can do these certain things on your own and then we can go over them once a week if we, if we need to, um, with regards to, uh, the technique and stuff. So, uh, very, very uh, awesome opportunity to, to learn a different technique that uh, that would take advantage of everything that the athlete can put into the football. Mike, thank you for being here, and I wish you all the best with your academy. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed our interview with Mike Hollis, but we're not done. For the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we talk about some of the great players who have come out of the University of Idaho, Mike's alma mater. At the time of this recording, there were 88 players drafted and 79 that made regular season squads in pro football. Obviously, we're not going to discuss everyone, so I selected a few highlights. First, there was offensive guard Mike Ayupati, who was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in the first round of the 2010 NFL Draft. He played 11 years in the league for the 49ers, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Seattle Seahawks. Ayupati made it to four Pro Bowls in his career. Mark Schlereth was a two-time Pro Bowl offensive guard for Washington and the Denver Broncos. He was drafted by Washington in the 10th round of the 1989 NFL Draft and spent six years with the team before spending the remaining six years of his career with Denver. Next was offensive guard Jake Scott, who played for the Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, and Philadelphia Eagles. He was drafted by the Colts in the fifth round of the 2004 NFL Draft and won a Super Bowl with the 2006 Colts. Wayne Walker was drafted by the Detroit Lions in the fourth round of the 1958 NFL Draft as a linebacker. He played in 200 games and had 14 interceptions in his career. He was also a place kicker with 53 field goals and 172 extra points made. He spent his entire career with the Detroit Lions and made it to three Pro Bowls. Next is defensive end and defensive tackle Marvin Washington, who was drafted by the New York Jets in the sixth round of the 1989 NFL Draft. Over his 11 years in the league, he played for the Jets, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Denver Broncos. Finally, Pro Football Hall of Famer Jerry Kramer. Kramer was drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the fourth round of the 1958 NFL Draft. He was a solid anchor on the Packers' offensive line for 11 seasons and was named to three Pro Bowls and was a member of the NFL's All-Decade Team of the 1960s and the NFL's 50th Anniversary All-Time Team. 
As you can see, there were some really good players that came out of the University of Idaho. That's all that we have for this episode. Stay tuned to our social media channels to stay up to date on our episodes. You can find the links at the Football Learning Academy website at www.football-learning-academy.com. Not only will you find links to our social media channels and a listing of all podcast episodes, but you'll find other fascinating interviews and classes. An important note, a portion of all proceeds generated at the Football Learning Academy go to help retired players in need. That website again is www.football-learning-academy.com. Thank you for listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.